Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. From the blackest corners of your mind, they call, pulling you deep into shadow, twisting your senses, keeping you from sleep. It's time to face your darkest fears. This is Tales to Terrify. Good evening, children of the night, and welcome. I've just got one little heads up before we dive into our tales this evening. For those of you who not only love consuming dark fiction, but have a thirst for birthing your own tiny terrors, Tales to Terrify is set to close for submissions until the new year, in just a few short days. You've got until midnight on November 15th, to let anything still wriggling its way out of your twisted imagination squirm onto the page and into our submission system. As of the release of this episode, that's just five days, so you better hurry before the portal closes. TalesToTerrify.com slash submissions, of course, is where you can find all the details on what and how to submit. Tonight, we've got a pair of tales for you, about nocturnal creatures that go bump in the night. Our first story for the evening comes from Luc Diamant. Luc Diamant is a perpetual student from Amsterdam, where he lives with his partner and their imaginary pets. He has writing out, or forthcoming, in Dream of Shadows, The Deep, and Cantheus, among others. When not writing, he enjoys spending time with the aforementioned partner, watching the plants on his balcony grow, and thinking about lemurs. Mm -hmm. 
You can find him on Instagram and Twitter at LukeDaniel94. Children of the Night, join me for Luke Diamant's A Bedtime Story, a Tales to Terrify original. Hush now. Let me tell you a story. Wanted a monster story, didn't you? (laughs) Of course you did. They all do. This one is about monsters called Scyther. The Scyther come in twos. You'll only see one of them at first. Come to the windows that you look out of when it is dark. When there is a light on inside and you can see both the world outside and the reflection of your own home as a translucent layer over the view. Doesn't have to be your home, of course. It can also be a roadside motel or an empty train compartment. What matters is the window, the darkness, and that you are alone. You're not alone now. I'm right here with you. And it's not so dark. Look, streetlights are coming on. One, two. There they all are. We don't need to turn the light on in here now, do we? The Scyther look like people. In the sense that they are faces. Even if those faces are mostly made of shadows. Except the eyes, of course. No, no. Those shadows in the corner are just shadows. Listen. Yes, I know the lights aren't working. Blown fuse. A power adage. Listen. The first thing you will notice about those eyes when the first scyther appears outside of the window. Its appearance won't seem sudden to you, but you will not be able to tell where it came from. Is that they glow in the way the air at the edge of a candle flame glows. But they don't have clear edges and that you cannot tell exactly where the slitted black pupil at the centre begins, only that that pupil is staring directly at you. Hush, it's just a story. Look, your nightlight has a battery. We can turn that on, see? The second thing you will notice is that once you look into the scyther's eyes, you cannot look away. This is because it is impossible to break eye contact with a scyther. Once they've caught your eye, they've caught you. It will let you figure this out. Gazing at you as you try to leave the room. To put something in front of your face. To close your eyes. It will wait until it can see the understanding of just how trapped you are. Dawning on your face. And that is when you will notice the reflection of the second one standing behind you in your peripheral vision. Don't look behind you. There's nothing there. The Scyther's gaze does not have the power to immobilise you completely. But they like it that way. They prefer their prey to scramble and stumble backwards and sideways, 
caught between the eyes staring them down from outside and the shadowy figure approaching from behind that they can only barely make out in the reflection. Find the meat tastiest when it is tensed up in terror. Besides, the Scyther get bored easily. Go looking for entertainment. They will play with you for a long time. The one in front of you looking at you with what you think is its version of a smile, while the one behind you closes in, always rustling near you, but never quite touching you. By the time you are pressed against the window, your eyes dry and reflecting the glow from outside, the feeling of the scyther's teeth sinking into you will almost come as a relief. Hush now. The story is over. Go to sleep. I'm going away. There is nothing to be afraid of. The power outage is almost complete now. All the houses in the street have gone dark. But look, those first two streetlights are still burning. Glowing amidst the shadows like the edges of a candle flame. That was Luke Diamant's A Bedtime Story, as read by James Barnett. James Barnett, a.k.a. Jimmy Horrors, is the creator-slash-host-slash-producer of the Night's End podcast. When he's not banging his head against the monitor editing audio, he scribbles horror stories. Check him out at jamesbarnettauthor.com or the Night's End podcast at nightsendpodcast.com. The Night's End Podcast is a short story podcast with a focus on dark speculative fiction. It hopes to leave you wishing for the night's end before each story is through. Thank you, James. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. 
Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Our second tale tonight comes from A.C. Bauer. A.C. Bauer is a horror writer who grew up on classic 90s slashers. His work has appeared in The Wicked Library, Haunted Words Press, and a dark Drabble anthology from Black Hair Press. He lives in the American Southwest with his wife and three cats and can be found online at acbowerwrites.com. Listen with me, children of the night, to A.C. Bower's Nothing But Ashes, a Tales to Terrify original. Even though they were miles away, I could still smell the crematoriums burning when I woke up. The heavy scent of smoke, death, and grief permeated the house, a fragrant reminder of what was happening in the world. The smell was inescapable, just like fate. I still lived with Mother and found her listlessly reading the final newspaper at the kitchen table. Reading might have been too strong a word. Her eyes didn't move across the black-and-white page, didn't comprehend the words printed on it. Instead, they just burned into the open page, a hollow stare for a hollow tradition known as the Wednesday paper. But what else are you supposed to do at the end of the world? There's comfort in tradition, in the familiar, especially at the end. She didn't seem to notice as I walked into the room. I looked at her, studied her face. She had a few more wrinkles now than she did three decades ago, but she was still as beautiful as ever. Raven hair with a touch of gray, brilliant green eyes, soft, youthful skin. Are you sure you want to go? I asked. There was a moment of stillness. Finally, her head turned toward me, and her eyes flashed in the kitchen's light. She smiled, her fangs creeping out from beneath her thin lips. Good evening, sweetie. Are you sure you want to go? I repeated. She looked at me for half a second before her eyes slid to the linoleum floor. Yes, I think so. Mother, this isn't a think-so kind of question. I need a firm yes or no. There's no going back. I know, I know, it's just... Scary. I know, I said. That's why I think you should take some time and... But we don't have time, Charlie. We don't have... She burst into tears. The newspaper slipped from her hands onto the floor, falling open to the front page. In the bold black letters was printed the only headline that mattered... End of the endless night coming, sun to return. I placed my cold hand on my mother's shoulder, feeling her hysterical sobs shudder through her thin frame. 
I shouldn't have to do this, I thought to myself bitterly. No child should have to comfort their parent like this. Selfishly, I should be the one being comforted, reassured, even though I know the end is near. I'm sorry, Mother said, gasping for air. It's all just happening so fast. That's how the end of the world is. Fast. Probably better that way than dragged out, I guess. She looked at but me with a tear-stained face. Her eyes were still moist, glittery. I just had so much hope for you, and all the things you'd get to do. It's okay. Mother, I... I understand. That makes one of us. I was reading on the bed in my room when there was a knock at the door. It was Mother, of course. She opened the door without waiting for a reply and slipped inside. She took a seat next to me on the bed, lifted up her legs, and folded them beneath her. She wrapped her arms around herself. I'm sorry about earlier, she said. The crying, especially. I laid the book down on my lap. It wasn't very good, and I just started it this evening for some strange reason. I guess I had nothing better to do than start a book I know I'd never finish, even if it wasn't good. It's okay, I said. No, it's not. I need to be strong for you. I'm the adult here, and... Mother, you forget that I'm thirty-six. She reached out and touched my boyish face. She ran a thumb along my cheek. I know, I know, but you're still my baby boy, and you still look like one after all these years. But I'm not, I said. I'm capable. I know you are, and I think that's what makes this so hard. You're so capable, and if only you had more time. I had a good run, I said with a smile. I touched her hand. We had a good run, all of us. She bit her lip, held in a sob. We did. I just... I just thought I could give you lifetimes. Instead, I've damned you to this one brief existence. Mother got off the bed and headed for the door. Just as she was about to leave, she paused, hanging onto the wooden door with one hand. By the way, she said, looking back at me, your Aunt Lexi called... Her, Jacob, and the boys are heading to the crematorium this evening at eleven. They... they want us to be there. My heart sank. Okay. My word was like a whisper. Now I was the one holding back tears. My mother forced a quick and fleeting smile under her face and left the room. Shortly before eleven, we got dressed and got into the car. The drive wasn't far. From our house, we could see the smoke rising into the night sky, leading us onward like a mythical rainbow leading to a pot of gold. Except this time, we didn't want to find what was at the end. I wondered if this would be the last night sky I ever saw. One clouded with ashes of scared and frightened people on my way to my aunt's. I tried not to think about it. Instead, I stared out the car window, expecting to see scenes of panic and mayhem. After all, that's what the anchors and pundits on TV had been saying was going on ever since the news broke. 
but the streets were quiet, calm even, like people had reached a fragile acceptance with it. We met Lexi, her husband, and two sons outside the crematorium's parking lot. They were dressed up nicer than we were. Aunt Lexi was dressed in a flowering purple moon dress, Jacob in a well-ironed shirt and tie. Even my cousins, Aster and Clark, wore tiny suits and matching bow ties. They weren't much taller than me, a little over four feet, and her eyes met briefly before mine fell to the ground. I couldn't bear to look at them, knowing what was coming. So I fixed my eyes on the boys' shoes, their perfectly polished shoes. I wondered if Lexi had polished them, or maybe Jacob. Had they done so this evening in preparation for this? Or were they new, bought for this single occasion? Why had they decided to look so, so picturesque, the very model of a family? A second later, it came to me like a bolt of lightning. This wasn't for them. It was for us. One last memory of them before the end, and I hated them for it. What they were doing to us, tainting our memory of them with this charade, this unnatural conclusion. But I guess what was natural about the end of the world. Well, Jacob said, breaking the silence, We've got an appointment to keep, shall we? He gestured for us to go inside. I noticed his hand was shaking. The building was hot, and the smell of smoke was stronger than ever. It was crowded, too. Groups of families and one-offs were lined up in the waiting room. Most were crying. Others were just staring blankly at the wall or ceiling. What an awful... My mother's words dropped off. I didn't want to remind her that she had been considering doing the same thing just hours ago. We checked in at the front desk and were led to the back. The back room was large with everything inside painted a dull shade of gray to hide the ashes, I thought. There were also a series of conveyor belts, enough to accommodate families up to six people. A man with a pencil mustache approached my aunt's family with a clipboard. And you must be the Lager family, correct? Both Lexi and Jacob nodded. The man handed over the clipboard. Just need you to sign the highlighted areas, consenting to the process and the obvious outcome it entails. I know it doesn't make much sense given the circumstances, but protocol is protocol. How old are the boys? Forty-five and thirty-nine, Lexi said. Never can tell these nights, the man said with a bit of a smile. Then they'll need to sign to protocol being protocol and dull. Lexi passed the clipboard to Aster and Clark. The boys looked at it, looked at me, at the conveyor belt, back to their parents. They signed a moment later without a word. The man with a pencil mustache thanked them and took back the clipboard. He flipped through the paperwork briefly. Looks like everything is in order. He motioned for them to get up on the conveyor belt. Don't worry, there's nothing to be scared of. It'll be fast. I promise you won't feel a thing. 
they climbed onto the conveyor belts, Jacob on the outermost right one, Lexi next to him, and Aster and Clark to her left. They laid onto their backs, smoothed out their perfect clothes. Lexi craned her neck to look up at us. She had tears in her eyes, but a smile on her face. It's going to be okay, she said to us. She turned and looked at her sons and repeated the words to them. She gripped on tightly to Jacob's hands. Anything else you want to say before we start this? The man with the pencil mustache asked. We love you, Lexi said, neck straining, fangs showing. We love you too, sis, mother said. She took a step back away from them, guiding me along with her. That all? the man asked. Lexi nodded and so did Jacob. Aster and Clark just stared up at the ceiling. Time to go then, the man said. He flipped a switch. There was a hum of electricity, a loud clank, and then the sound of conveyor belts moving. Slowly, the loggers glided back toward the furnace. A heavy metal door came down, locking in place and separating them from us. As soon as the door locked, there was a whoosh. A simple, loud whoosh, accompanied by a burst of heat. And then they were gone. Nothing but ashes. Mother held back her tears until we got home. Then she cried alone in her room, while I stared at my not-so-good book with watery eyes. Her wailing made it impossible to read, not that I could read, anyway. I was still in shock. Aunt Lexi and Aster and Clark. Jacob, too. All gone. I understood the impulse behind it, Hell, I had voted to make crematoriums legal for those suffering, but I never thought they'd be used like this, as an escape hatch for so many, for members of my own family. But then again, I never expected the end of the world as we knew it either. When Mother came out of her room an hour later, her face was pink from crying. You know what? she said. We should go somewhere instead of being all cooped up inside all night. We should go to the lake or something, like we used to. We could wait for the... You know, we could wait for it there. What about the crema? I don't want to go. Her voice was strong and even. Besides, this would be better. It'll be like one last family vacation. It could be fun. Yeah, I said. It could be. So, without another word, we packed up a few supplies into the car and got ready to leave. Before we left, Mother set out all the blood we had in the fridge out in a cooler on the sidewalk. No judgment, she said, knowing full well someone would likely take it to get blood drunk on. To each their own. Moments later, we drove out of the city, away from the burning pyres of scared families, as we rolled along the windy roads of the countryside, we passed makeshift signs telling us to repent, to give up blood, to welcome the return of the Holy Son. People are scared out here, too, I thought, just in a different way. When we arrived at the lake, it was deserted. Even the rental shop that overlooked it, normally busy with customers, was empty. A simple one-word sign hung on the door of the shop. Free. What do you say we paddle out on the lake? 
Mother suggested this. She entered the shop, filled with canoes and kayaks. And we can... No, I said sternly. I don't want to do any of that. I looked up at the sky. The sun was beginning to burn through the clouds and lingering smoke, slowly but surely erasing our once endless night. Mother looked too and understood. I just want a few more moments with you, I said. I took her hand. We left the shop untouched and took our seat in the grass overlooking the lake. The still water perfectly reflected the cloudy sky above and the touch of pink and orange seeping into view. We sat there for a moment in complete silence before we began our last conversation. I love you, son, she said. I love you too, mom. She looked at me, tears welling up in her eyes. You haven't called me mom since... Since dad died, I know. And I'm so sorry for that. I know I haven't made things easy on you. It's just been so hard, and I know it was. It was hard on both of us. She wiped the tears from her eyes. I nodded in agreement. I wish he was here with us. Me too, Charlie. Me too. Mom, can I ask you something? I paused, gathering up the words inside my head. How come Dad never... Mom smiled and a short laugh escaped her throat. Your dad had what they called back in the day white coat syndrome. He was freaked out by blood. Never could stand the stuff. Seeing it or anything made him sick. So he traded away immortality because he was scared of blood? What can I say? Your dad was a man of principle. Besides, look where immortality has gotten us. To our final night on earth. Do you miss him? Who? Your dad? Of course, every night. Every single night. Do you wish he'd become one of us? I asked. No, I don't think it... This was made for your father. He was such a gentle soul. I don't think he would have liked it. Especially the drinking blood part. She laughed again. What did he think when you... When you bit me? Her smile fell away. I think he resented me at first. She took in a breath of air. I think he wasn't very happy with what I had chosen to do. But I think, I hope anyway, that in the end, he saw it was giving you a chance to live your life any way you wanted. That I was giving you the chance to live lifetimes any way you wanted to. I think he came to understand that. It was never for him, but I think he understood. I'm sure he did, I said. Is it okay if we... If we don't talk about him anymore? Not when the end is so close. We'll get to see him soon enough. You think? She asked. Maybe. I don't know. If there's such a thing as vampires in the undead who said there can't be an afterlife. An after-afterlife, you know? She laughed lightly. A smile spread across her face. And it stayed there. Yeah, maybe you're right, she said. Anyway, I just wanted to say thank you for all you did for me, I said. For taking care of me, for loving me, for giving me this life to live. I know it hasn't been easy. Having kids never is. But I think you turned out great. I just wish you had gotten more time.
I just wish we had gotten more time. A tear slipped down my face, followed by another and another. I'm sorry for all the stupid fights, all the arguments, all the quiet dinners where I didn't say a word to you. It was so stupid, and I was just a kid, she interrupted. It comes with the territory. I may have been mad then, but I'm not anymore. Life is too short to stay mad, and I'm just glad to be here with you. Me too, Mom. She leaned over and hugged me, and I bawled like a baby. I love you, she whispered. I love you too. She let go of me and gestured to the sky. I wiped away my tears with my shirt and looked up. The sky had filled with color, yellows, oranges, pinks, and purples. And in that moment, I knew deep down, our world was ending. It's kind of beautiful in a way, huh? Mom said. Yeah, it really is. I took her hand in mine, gave it a quick squeeze, and watched the sun rose above the horizon line. It was the first and last sun either of us would ever see. It was truly beautiful. I let go of her as I felt its warmth descend on us and creep up my skin. It felt foreign and strange at first, but then as I soaked it in, it shifted. It felt different. Good, even. Like a mother's warmth. Like a mother's love. Then my skin began to prickle. My body radiated with heat. That's when the screaming start. Mom first, then me. I never got a chance to look into her eyes one last time, to see them shine in the new light, because the final flames of death were already consuming her. Her black hair was singed, her skin red and peeling from the fire. She stood up as best she could and ran for the lake, ran for relief, but she didn't make it. Her legs became rigid, charred, and unmovable. She collapsed onto the ground, yards away from the water, just as my own immolation took hold and obscured my vision. I howled in pain, and for the first time in my life, I knew what true loneliness was. My heart ached. I got up and ran toward the remains of my mom, not wanting to be alone like this. Not wanting to die alone like this. My body crashed onto the ground where my mom was, obliterating her body into nothing but a cloud of ashes. I ran my hands through the smoldering remains, but I didn't feel a thing, my nerve endings having all burnt off. I lay there wallowing in pain for what felt like an eternity, the flames growing higher and higher, and then finally I was... That was A.C. Bowers' Nothing But Ashes, as read by Brian Rollins. Brian Rollins is a voice actor residing in Denver, Colorado. He's voiced over a dozen audiobooks, including the popular Glenn and Tyler series. Horror fans will want to check out his latest narration, Ancient Enemies, by Brian McKinley, a vampire political thriller. You can visit Brian at his website, 
thevoicesinmyhead.com or on Twitter at Voices of Brian. Thank you, Brian. Well, children of the night, the hour is late and we've run out of tales to tell. For now. Tales to Terrify is made possible by the tremendous generosity of our supporters on Patreon and PayPal. Incredible fans like Lessel Baxter, Paul Belcher, Amanda Carrillo, Amanda Gottfried, and Orion D. Higra, whose generous support helps keep the lights on and flickering ominously. Not a supporter already? Head over to patreon.com slash tales to terrify, where you'll find all kinds of perks, like ad-free episodes, bonus content, and one-of-a-kind collectibles and merch packs. Every dollar goes back into this show to make it as horrific as possible, and we appreciate it so much. Want another way to support the show that doesn't cost a cent? Head over to Podchaser, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating or review. You'll not only put an unnaturally wide smile on our faces, but help new listeners discover our terrifying tales, too. Why not share your love of the show out in the world with some Tales to Terrify merch? TalesToTerrify.com slash merch will take you to our Public store, where we've got a great collection of creepy custom and curated designs so you can show those around you just how twisted you truly are. Tales to Terrify is produced by Seth Williams, Meredith Morgenstern, Andrew Gibson, Crystal Hammond, Spencer Desparty, and myself, Drew Sebastini, with original theme by Nebulous Entertainment. Tales to Terrify is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Join us again next week as you're forced to face your darkest fears with more Tales to Terrify. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. 
For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 